Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Becoming Legend, episode Ooh, what five. Yes, what is yes, up? Yes. What is up? What is up? What is up? I'm your host, Bird Up Birdman Jones, and today I have co-hosts Tweezy, Tweezix, X Tweezix, X. It's, it's Tweezy. X There's just X's on the ends. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love giving you a little bit of mess about it. That's all um, good. So we previously discussed on our last episode. We went over the history of. One of the greatest mans known to the destiny uh, human history, Mr. Mm-hmm. Clovis Bray, mm-hmm. great man, entrepreneur, uh, homicidal maniac, uh, you know, all of the, all of that. Egotistical person, you know, oh, extremely egotistical. Um, you know, I wouldn't even say egotistical really perfectly sums it up like that man was he he was he was insane. But I guess he was so smart, nobody ever really was able to stop him or correct him or show him another way. He really just paved his way through um, the mankind's history, especially in the Golden Age. Yeah, I mean, to to build off of it, if you are just joining us in our podcast, Clovis Bray very much was trying to set himself up, uh, especially after the, the development of the Exos. He wanted to be greater than Genghis Khan. You know, Genghis Khan is, uh, for for lack of a better term, like Genghis Khan is a, a common uh, ancestor for a lot of humanity. And so Clovis Bray wanted himself to be that common ancestor. And the way he figured out he would do that is by creating the Exos. Thereby, if all humanity became an Exo, then they would all have to line up to him as their, you know, their God, their common ancestor, the one who created them all. And that's really what drove him, especially in some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. I think today we're going to talk a little bit about the lament. You know, some of the stuff in the lore books that drop as you pick that weapon up just really show um, the kind of person that he is and, and how protective he is of his legacy, you know. Uh, I don't want to get too far into what happens early, but there is definitely moments where he says something to the effect of uh, he doesn't care about the loss of human life because the loss of human life is a benefit to him because they will just become exos instead. And yeah, he's he's he, he's someone with a god complex, man. Like he's uh, genius, sheer genius. You know, God love him, but. You know, also delusional, crazy, egotistical, just horrible all around. <laughs> this is very true. Um, one example we wanted to highlight of this and would be a little bit of the story about how Clovis Bray was, di- how he discovered and was influenced to make his travels to Europa. So at this point in the story, you could say it's mid to late um, golden age. and He's already established an interplanetary empire. He's already really um, have his have his fingers in every single bit of science and every single bit of study of the light and the darkness that's going on, even keeping an eye on his closest competitors, the Ishtar Collective on Venus. Um, however, in this part of the story, what I wanted to highlight is the story of Alton Bray. Um, Alton Bray is believed to be one of Clovis's grand. Uh, grandchildren if i'm not mistaken yeah. uh that part was a little bit confusing for me they don't exactly highlight who how exactly he's related to clovis did you have a little bit on this mr so Sweezy? from what i understand clovis one created clovis two um and then clovis two created uh willa alton anna and elsie uh wilhelmina elizabeth uh, Anastasia and Alton. Uh, that is the uh, the understanding that I have is that they're all uh, their kids. Again, Anna is the only one that is different uh, from everybody else, pretty much um, because Clovis Bray the first. Uh, I'm going to refer to him as Clovis from now on uh, because Clovis is so obsessed with his legacy. He uh, messes with the mitochondrial DNA, the the DNA that. Uh, someone would receive from the the mother's side of the family and makes it so that it is another copy of his DNA, 
which is something I pass on to a son who passes on to his grandchildren. The only one that doesn't get that is Anna. Anna actually has a mother. We don't know who she is yet. Um, at least uh, I don't know who she is yet. But so that is that is what I think. I think they're all just, you know, children of Clovis Braid II. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Our data on the lore seems to match up perfectly here. Yeah. So um, to continue the story with Alton Bray, he was placed on the moon uh, when, with a dig site called the K-1 dig site. Um, basically, the Chinese uh, Space Force was actually on the moon, you know, uh, mining and digging and making discoveries as well when they came across an object uh, known nowadays as the anomaly um if you are a d1 veteran or d2 as the map was recently ported there is a crucible map called the anomaly inside this map on the moon there is a large black um kind of looks like an engram it's a it's a large black dodecahedron with uh steel frames all over it this is actually the box that holds a what is believed to be a communication device for the darkness um, after it, the Chinese space team discovered the anomaly, they it was revealed that they started to experience um, visions. They started to hear whispers and they started to uh, have insomnia, all types of other symptoms. Clovis quickly jumped in and took over the site, took over the um, K-1 anomaly find and uh, positioned his son on the moon where... There's really just a lot of stories immediately within two to three days. Doctors and scientists uh, really start to experience these same visions, these same whispers. They try to do deep scans on the anomaly, try to figure exactly what it is, where it came from, how old is it? It's unscannable. And with the advancements they have in the golden age, like this is technology we can't even imagine currently. And it is completely unscannable. Nothing is returned. Um, Mr. Tweezy, would you like to carry on a little bit of the story from here? Yeah. So ultimately, what ends up happening, uh, the K-1 anomaly is, is very interesting and something that I highly encourage everyone looking into on their own if you want to. Uh, the important things about the K-1 anomaly, other than Alton Bray, is, is that it begins, uh, it is the thing that leads Clovis Bray to make the decision to create the facility on Europa. Um, I believe... Uh, what ends up happening is that he he gets a vision of of what he can do in Europa, and once he gets to Europa, he starts to search for uh, what he calls clarity control. Um, it is it is ultimately clarity control is the the piece that helps stabilize um, the exo formula. You know, exos are robots that have human consciousness put into them, but up until that point. Uh, all of the exos really had a lot of issues where they would just uh, load and then crash and then reboot and then load and then crash and then reboot. And it was a vicious cycle and you can never stabilize it. So ultimately the, the entire decision to go to Europa to make the outpost on Europa is to kind of get a, uh, more control over over what he's putting in to the exos to make them function and, and be able to remain conscious and and you know actual human like for as long as they are what ends up happening is that he he discovers that if you combine vex milk vex radiolorian fluid with Clarity control with a little bit of clarity control, you can create something called the alkalis, which allows machines to still perform the massive amount of computations that are needed to perform without it like overloading the circuitry and just like causing everybody to crash. Europa is important. Just saying. Yeah. Extremely. Um, essentially, so what he made with the alkahes, you could call a exo cooling fluid. Perhaps Blood. darkness, cooling fluid, keep it yeah. from exploding and uh, and overdriving. I know the Alcahest was also used to simulate the small the small moments that happen in the human mind. Like when your mind just wanders and there's a million ideas happening at once. And you're also learning to deal with new situations and new advancements and make 
conscious you know decision so it's really i want to say the darkness perhaps melds with the soul of the person whose their mind is extracted into the exo and gives them the ability to control everything maybe i don't know we're still trying to figure out the influence that clarity control and the darkness have over the exos uh, one thing that we do know for certain uh and it is something that uh, you experience this season if you if you either can you know contribute to the raid try to unlock the lament is that all exos um are susceptible to hearing the darkness there's uh multiple stories you know there's stories from uh letters uh from micah abrams uh, which we can talk about later where he overhears vex talking about the whispering um which is especially as you continue to look into more of the lore, it shows up itself in Call of the Cryptolith. Wherever the darkness is involved, anybody that's around it experiences whispers. And that is like the, the common thread throughout is that everyone hears whispers whenever they're, in, you know, surrounded by the darkness. And typically it's just by proximity. But as the Exos, they, they share some sort of weird bond with the darkness that makes them more susceptible to it. And then everyone also has the exact same dreams. Uh, a lot of them being about the deep stone crypt, you know? So there's a weird shared consciousness aspect of it with clarity control that we're still trying to explore what the, what the repercussions of that are right now. Like, you know, it's only been a season since we learned all this stuff. Right. Absolutely. The more we begin to study and understand the darkness, the more we'll understand the connections with the EXO, why they experience these visions, why they are susceptible to the whispers more than any other um, guardian race out there. So with that discovery of clarity control, Clovis Bray makes his move to Europa, where he does discover a giant monolith, a giant statue of what appears to be a dark woman. Um, you can actually see the statue in the Deepstone Crypt raid. It's also very similar um, to the one that is on the pyramid ship from the Sh- from the Shadow Keep DLC. Mm-hmm. It was also very similar to the one. If you are an old D one player, it is very similar to the statues that you experience in the Black Garden um, when we first go to the Black Garden at the very beginning of Destiny One. We saw a, a veiled figure, but there is actually a difference. This this Clarity control is different from all the other experiences of the veil that we've had in the sense that if you went to the lunar pyramid, if you went to the statue in the black garden, like they were very much stationary. They don't move. Uh, Clarity control moves. Clarity controls chest is said to, you know, expand and, and compress similar to like breathing and how the bottom of the cloak seems to ripple. Um, and that's what makes clarity control, at least from my perspective, uh, something that I want to learn more about simply because while it is similar to the veil and everything else that we've learned, it is also the only experience that we've had with something that is moving. So it makes me wonder if there's something more to clarity control than we are even catching on. Indeed, like this may be the closest direct connection we have to the darkness in the form that um, shows that it may be able to express itself and do more as time goes on or who knows we may find another version of the clarity statue that is actually able to communicate with us a little bit more the darkness tries to reach out to us more and more and as we learn more about the history of humanity and a lot of things that were kind of kept behind closed doors back then we find that humanity has been studying and communicating with the darkness much longer than we have so we're really just the pawn in play of a much older game that's been going on for centuries and we're trying to grasp control, grasp power so we can try to break this cycle and learn more about what is going on. And if I remember more about how the development cycle of Destiny worked, originally in early concepts of Destiny, the veil was going to be a whole species of uh, of creatures in which we were going to interact with. And that was something that eventually got scrapped. So seeing them now in the game, you know, if, if you look back, you know, even Aldrin Sov was a, an old character in the early, early iterations of Destiny, uh, who, you know, as they continue to progress the development of the game, uh, 
closer and closer to actual release, then, you know, they've had to cut some things and, and make adjustments to it. And so I'm also wondering is, are we going to see the veil as being creatures in which we can actually interact with? It's weird. It's <laughs> that's the best thing I know to say about it. It's, it's nice that Bungie as a dev is recycling old ideas that they had early in development and using them to kind of push the narrative forward even more. I really, really like that statement and something that I that I gleaned from that, perhaps maybe this is this is the kind of breadcrumbs leading up to the veil, exactly like you said. But if that is the case, the veil would be much more powerful than we could have ever possibly anticipated if we're starting to see these types of reactions and effects from a statue of the veil or what may be a a sealed veil. Um, For example, part of the story with the. Um, monolith with with clarity control that was discovered on Europa. Clovis Bray, of course, tried to take it, remove it from its source so he can study it off planet and do his own Clovis Bray thing. Who knows what his plans really were. (laughs) While he attempted to do this, there was an extremely violent reaction, as Mr. Tweezy put it earlier today in a conversation. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to highlight those particular words, violent reaction, because we already know that when the darkness reacts violently whenever they decide to attempt or destroy something gravity waves are the weapon of choice Uh they i it believes they are able to manipulate gravity they manipulate the space and create pulls which will create shock waves essentially a rippling effect echoing through the planet um or i'm sorry the the moon here europa is a moon not a planet so you can just imagine this type of violent shock waves going through an icy stone planet causing huge earthquakes huge rippling effects and uh i imagine it wasn't pretty if this is just one veil creature how and the veil have gravitational effects they're going to be the most powerful enemy that we've come across period until we get a gravity gun in which case all bets are off i'm looking at you bungie we can do this we can make this happen oh yes absolutely i need a uh, gravity subclass (laughs) exactly something i can see it i can see it I can I see mean, it. you know, will it be as overpowered as stasis? Maybe, but you know, you know. <laughs> most likely, most likely everything's going to get more powerful from here. Exactly. So shortly after the uh, failed attempt to, to remove clarity control from the planet, um, Clovis Bray was able to move it. He was able to uh, just reposition it on the planet into the deep stone crypt where he essentially was able to, uh, mine the Alcahes fluid and create the uh, darkness vex milk that we that is able to sustain exos. Shortly after this, um, there was a large scale vex invasion of Europa. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is believed that Clovis Bray was attempting to create a giant vex portal, which actually went to a sun outside of our solar system. The sun was. Um, my understanding of it is the sun is where the Vex began, how they formed life, how they evolve and are able to sustain themselves in this galaxy at a molecular level. They're able yeah. to um, orbit the sun and expand from there into the galaxy. Uh, I believe he was trying to access the large, uh, the large stash of Vex milk from the sun. But in this endeavor, um, the Vex actually caught on to what he was trying to do. And one day as he opened the large humongous Vex portal, which you can actually experience in Destiny 2 in the latest strike. Um, I believe it's the gateway, the gateway strike. It's called the Glassway. The Glassway. Oh, so close. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yes. And the Glassway strike, that giant portal at the end of it, um, the Vex caught on to the pattern of, Clovis Bray coming over to their space. And when the portal was opened, they immediately flooded and rushed Europa in a way that has not been seen. Like we're not talking nightfall standards here. We're talking like probably a a raid amount of Vex coming in. Uh, The immediate exos and humans that were on location all wiped and dead. And this really starts the beginning of another story, the story of Lament, the strongest the strongest, strongest exotic sword in the game right now. Mr. Tweezy, would you like to drop some knowledge on this story of the lament and the invasion of the Vex 
into the glassway. Of course. Uh, so Lament uh, has a, a series of, of lore books that, again, I highly encourage you read. Uh, as, as great as it is to talk to you guys about it, the, the best way is for you yourself to read it and get involved. Um, so Clovis Bray and, and uh, all of the workers at the Europa facility had built the Glassway which was, again, as Craig reemphasized, is a, a portal to the Vex world. The purpose for it was so that they could go and they could study the Vex more to get an understanding of how the Vex operated so that they can take that knowledge and bring it back and continue to refine the Exos. Everything is about refining the Exos because that is their legacy. So, one day, Elsie Bray is, is there as a turn it on and... Uh, their sensors aren't working. You know, typically they have a couple of sensors right outside the other side of the portal, just letting them know what enemies are there. Because it's very much, it's a very simple process. You you open the portal, you kill out all the Vex that are there, and then you just send your scientists in to go and explore and, and collect data. On this particular day, uh, the sensors were down and they didn't know why. And then before they could really figure out why, uh, I think they said the first of the Vex that invaded was Minotaur, followed by all sorts of Vex goblins. And then ultimately it is a, a giant Vex harpy with a all encompassing shield around it. Unfortunately for a lot of the Exos that were there, um, they died. They got torn to shreds. Um, but fortunately, obviously Elsie was able to survive and extract herself as much as she could. Um, Elsie then was stuck between a rock and a hard place. Obviously, one of the biggest problems is, is that the Bray Tech facility had connections to Earth, connections to Mars, and the Vex are always going to pursue humanity. They're always like they're straight line, going to kill everything in their path. And so the problem was by having the facility and continuing to have the communications uplinks and everything um, once it gets overrun because it's not a matter of if it would get overrun it was a matter of when the facility was overrun by Vex um, if the communication relays were still up they would be able to track it back to Mars track it back to Earth and, and essentially wipe out all of humanity and this is what we talked about earlier with Clovis Bray and his his lack of regard for the the cost of human life um what ends up happening with all of this is uh clovis bray the the human clovis bray is is in a coma and the the clovis one ai that we all know the giant talking head um was pretty much handling everything elsie was stuck on one side where she wanted to evacuate all personnel from the facility and set off the emergency protocol that would destroy all their communication and all their research in order to make sure that the Vex couldn't follow them to the rest of humanity. And Clovis wanted them to finish their work. What ends up happening is that they also reactivate a new EXO. This was an EXO that had been stripped down to the very base of the human who's personality they've been given but also this exo had been given a lot of improvements it was one of the best fighters that they had seen from my understanding so ultimately what ends up happening is is that elsie bray and this new exo um make the decision that the only way that they're going to be able to save everybody oh right i forgot a part uh, they went to go and evacuate everybody on the ship and the Clovis AI blew up the evacuation ship. Therefore, no Exos were able to leave. Uh, forgot about that. Yeah, I was like, yeah. For people wondering, why didn't they just leave? Uh, you know, the, the giant talking head blew up the ship. Blew up the ship. Indeed. And so, yet, in his eyes, that is not murder. That's the small price to pay for progress. Yes, because, yes, because all, of the, all of the people that Elsie was trying to save at that time were Exos. And so the benefit of Exos is that, um, unfortunately, at that moment in time, the, the Vex had gotten access to the, the cloud servers that stored all of the Exos personalities. Um, 
But because everyone's personalities had been uploaded to the cloud, it was just a matter of making a new EXO and putting their consciousness into a new EXO. You know, that's closed brain didn't care. So you could just make another body and, and put your brain back into it. Like, it, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. You're expendable. Um, so the only decision that they end up coming up with is for them to storm back into the glassway and physically shut down the portal again. Um, they get permission to do it. And in doing so, you discover that the new AI or the new XO that they had brought back was Clovis one. You know, uh, they had split Clovis into two personalities. One of them is is an act like a fully formed exo and the other one is the the clovis ai that is just in the giant head so they end up going there's a there's a locker that um they are able to unlock after the the clovis one bot is the clovis one exo is able to complete their combat training uh, he's able to go up to a locker and pick up a sword that we now know of as to be the lament it is one of the strongest swords that has ever existed. It has like a chainsaw edge to it. It's a super badass sword. And then they go into the glassway. And the the only thing that they uh, have to promise the, the Clovis AI is that they will not destroy the portal once they shut it off. Like if they are able to make it all the way to uh, the glassway and shut off the portal, all he asks is that they do not destroy it because the Clovis... AI is only focused on continuing the research. You know, if you destroy the portal, you destroy their ability to go to the Vex planet and study the Vex more. And therefore, you can't continue to improve the Exos. So, Clovis asked, please don't destroy. They go, giant fight. The, the Lament Sword ultimately breaks after defeating the giant Harpy. Or Hydra, Sorry. After he defeats the giant Hydra and they shut down the portal. And there's a moment where the Clovis 1A or well, at this point it's Clovis 43. Um, basically, they had set something up so that even after he was killed, he was able to be brought right back online and be able to continue to attack. And unfortunately, he sustained a lot of damage uh, so that he went through the iterations of Clovis 1 all the way up to 43. Uh, they finish the fight. They turn off the giant exo head, which is why, you know, if you guys experience uh limit mission, that's why we have to turn him back on. Uh, you know, unfortunately we are the ones that turn the Clovis, uh, exo back on. And then they turn off the portal. They do not destroy it. Um, and because of the, uh, the reset that they're going to have to do, you know, every exo, has to be reset at some point in time to maintain the the stability inside their processors. If they don't, they, it runs the risk of them dying. So everyone resets. That's how they get a new number. Um, and once it comes time, he the Clovis forty three makes the decision that he wants to reset. He wants to forget everything about his past life, everything that he learned about himself. Uh, the only thing that he wants to keep is a nickname that all the exos had given him because of the fighting that he had done leading through the glassway, you know, and ultimately defeating everybody. And that nickname is Banshee. So for those of you who have been wondering why Banshee 44 has been our weapons vendor for a long time, why Banshee 44 is an important character is because Banshee 44 is the 44th iteration of the Clovis Exo that originally helped defeat all the Vex that invaded the, the glassway, thereby saving humanity from an imminent Vex invasion. And then he gives us a really cool sword. Oh, yeah. 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 That is I exactly think that what happens. That, that sums it up exactly perfectly <laughs> in the exact right order that we needed to hear to understand the final mission, the final experience, the final impact Clovis Bray had on our universe as the Clovis AI shuts down and as Aunt Banshee 44 becomes a new EXO with a completely new personality, has no history of his past or anything that's occurred recently. Um, this, to me, really gives, if you look at it from 
at the, from the perspective of Clovis, his entire life with the last, you could say the last third probably being his roughest chapter in the darkest about mm-hmm. the decisions that he's made and uh, lack of care for life. This to me is a little bit of a redemption arc for Clovis's character. Now, let me explain exactly what I mean by that. Not Clovis the person, but I mean who he who he was inside, who he tried to be. In one of the previous lore entries, it really it's a it's a similar entry where he's discussing his uh, grandchildren and the uh, progress that he's making with the exos. And while he expects more and more of his son and grandchildren for to run Braytech and run their um, assigned tasks, one of them that he gives to himself is become a better grandfather. Now, that is like an extremely small line. Like you can completely miss it when you're reading the lore. But what I mean for this coming back to the present, as Clovis Bray is lying there with the with the uh, glassway being invaded by the Vex, as he's waking, awakened from his coma, like you said, he has the a- his AI that he designed uh, a mock uh, image of himself that can make most decisions in a way that he would. But at the end of his life where he can only be he probably has less than an hour to live if he's woken from this coma. But not, but Elsie Bray comes in and uh, really, really emphasizes the importance of him transferring his mind to the AI. So just like you said, he splits his personality into two. One being the giant AI head that we know, which gave us the lament, and the other being Clovis One, the Exo, the one who who killed all the Vex and did everything with um, with the lament. One part of splitting that, Clovis Bray, the AI, was the part of Clovis that was relentless, that didn't care about the loss of human life, that didn't care about anything, that was completely focused on becoming the Luca, that was completely focused on the legacy of Clovis Bray. He took that part of his personality and put it in the AI because he knew that would always make the right decision, quote unquote, for the Bray legacy. However, the version that he put in the EXO was, as you said, the most stripped down bare version of Clovis of his personality. Everything that he wanted to be, the everything that he felt caring for his children, his grandchildren, humanity, wanting to improve the world. He put that part of his personality into the EXO and really just expected the two to work together to form Another version of himself. Uh, After the battle with the Glassway, whenever they return to shut down the Clovis AI, they are essentially saying no more Clovis. This isn't even Clovis the person. It's just his inventions, his copies of his mind that he's trying to further his goals, which just have killed. Who knows? I would say in the thousands, in the thousands probably died through this Vex attack. Almost certainly. So after all of that, it's really no surprise that he would want to forget everything and forget the horrible person that he was and everything that he did and just try to live a peaceful life, um, which he really does. He finds his way to the tower. He becomes our gunsmith. He gives us how like who knows how many guns tons. He's remembering new guns every other season. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, Clovis becomes a little bit more human and a little bit more of what he always wanted to be in the first place before he became obsessed. What What are your thoughts on that? I I mean, I agree. In, in case you're wondering, like, how is it that the the Clovis 1 Exo was unable to know that he was Clovis Bray when he was awoken? Um, unfortunately, because of the fact that they were being attacked by the Vex at literally that exact time, they didn't have the ability to really complete the Exo waking process you know they weren't able to to run all the diagnostic tests and really like ease him into his personality and who he was unfortunately he got woken up kind of thrown in the mix of it and the first like six or so of the lore books everyone around him knows who he is but doesn't want to tell him who he's supposed to be you know it isn't until uh, I think the the Clovis AI says something like, I, I thought you would have figured out who you were by now. And he guesses, I'm Clovis Bray. That's when like it really sinks in. But it, he's still not even the the true Clovis Bray because he was unable to really fulfill all of the the integrations and all the like the reintegration processing that they were going to have to do, which they typically would do for a new EXO or an EXO coming off of a reboot. Um 
it's it's very interesting because of that that he is his own person instead of being a copy of Clovis Bray, and it is his decision to reset himself. It is you know they they asked you know when he was ready to reset himself like are you sure this is what you want and he said yes so uh i i just found it very interesting he's obviously very human uh it brought more to a character that i wasn't expecting from as well you know like banshee 44 has been our gunsmith since destiny you know like since vanilla destiny and he's just always been at the tower and i didn't think anything of it um you know we know he's an exo don't know how he got to be 44 just assumed he did a lot of fights um but to find out you know that little bit of lore that we found out this season uh going through the hunt to to reforge the lament um has, has been really nice to experience um and it's again it's it's just another way of of bringing more to a character that i wouldn't have thought anything about you know like at the time he was just like the postmaster. He's just like Tess, you know, like he's there. Uh, I, I get stuff from him and then I uh, never go to the tower again. So it, it was nice. It, it gives me something to like, you know, I kind of enjoy my interactions with Banshee 44 now to see what he's going to say, to see if there's going to be more hints of who he was or, or who he's trying to become, you know, I completely agree. In my interactions with him nowadays, knowing the information that I have now, it really makes a little bit more sense whenever he has those half sentences, those misrememberings or memories of a battle that he forgot, discussions of Cade 6 as if he's still alive. Yeah. Um, But you know what he was forced to go through in his first 43 iterations, which all were spent within probably a 10 hour cycle. Whereas yeah. normally most exos would get years, if not decades, in between resets. So that had to be extremely damaging to the mind, uh, which really just makes me feel for him a little bit more and try mm-hmm. to understand and be patient with him when he doesn't have the mods that I want. Yeah. yeah, you know, every day I check and every day he's like, hey, you already have this. I'm like, I know, but like, give me something I, I don't mean, have, please. You never know. <laughs> Maybe Fenchurch will send him some stuff one day, but maybe. I mean, you uh, know, that's a like, completely separate uh, lore, Destiny lore reference. Sorry, you know, about back that, in you know. D1, you would just go and, and meet up with him, and you would buy like a package, like you'd buy a weapon off of him, like an, an AR or a, or a you know a rocket launcher, and then you know you'd do some stuff around there, and he'd make you a rocket launcher every day or every week. Uh, it doesn't happen anymore. You just you know give him weapon parts, he makes guns for you. You know. It's even better in my mind. You know, and, and one other thing as we've been talking about Europa uh, that I wanted to talk about. For for those of you that are continuing to collect the secrets on Europa and, and, and do all of the the fun things that you can do on Europa, uh, there is a, a segment of activities that you can do. It's similar to collecting, oh man, uh, similar to collecting Siva Shards and Rise of Iron, similar to collecting the pieces of iron on the Dreadnought from the Taken King. Uh, it is collecting penguins around Europa. There's different activities in which you can do, different bosses you can face where you can collect penguins. And when you collect those penguins, it gives you letters to a lore book that's, or it gives you groupings of letters from a lore book called the Letters of Mike of Mika Abrams. Uh, basically, the lore book is is Mika writing letters to the traveler about his experiences. Um, but it's very interesting how it kind of ties into Europa as a whole uh mika's father one of his fathers uh he has a dad and he has papa which is is you know nice you know for you know pc reasons it's it's very nice uh to see that kind of inclusion in the lore um but one of his fathers uh, works with clovis bray and works with bray tech as a psychologist and his entire job is to examine the psychology of the exos and try and determine oh I, I couldn't figure out what it is that they're trying to determine whether or not the exos are, are stable whether they're showing signs of humanity and human consciousness you know um there wasn't a whole lot that they explained about that but um it's very interesting what we know about mika and and what we find out about mika later 
Um, eventually, what happens is, is that Mika and his his parents, there's a, a as they continue to be on Europa, uh, his father is overworked, and it leads to arguments to where they Clovis. It, Mika's dad is encouraging them to leave the planet sooner rather than later. Um, and the last letter that we have is, is Mika saying that, you know, he's going to bundle up into a snow soup and go to the, the resupplying ship and he is going to get out of Europa. And that's the last that we hear about it. But fortunately for us, uh, I'm not going to take credit for the research. Uh, an amazing YouTuber by the name of Mylan games did a lot of this research and putting these pieces together. Um, what, unfortunately, what we found out or what we believe right now based off of what we've experienced in the game is that Mika and his fathers are turned into exos. Um, but what's interesting and, and what I'm going to let Craig kind of, you know, talk a little bit on because he also watched the video is the implications that this have because as we learn more about Mika, Mika 10, you know, or Micah 10, Mika 10, whatever. Uh, what we learn about uh, Micah 10, the EXO, uh, has a lot of really important implications about where the story is going to go from here. So I'm going to hand that over to you, Greg. Indeed. Thank you much. So uh, pick up the story. As you said, Mika is a young boy on Europa. Um, turned into exos his father dr hector abram did work for clovis bray uh, he was recruited as you said he was a psychologist um i a little bit he was he seemed to be involved with exomind rejection try to figure out exactly what was involved in the degradation of the human virtual mind why it did not exactly um you know bond with this ex with this frame the exo body is really just a frame. It's not actually the person itself. It's really just like our, our own human skeletal bodies while our soul pilots the mechanism, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so during this study, he he somehow came upon um, some documents where he discovers that the uh, alkahest is being used in order to stabilize uh, the human brain. He discovers that Clovis Bray is using the darkness to further his research which he completely disagrees with right after that is wherever he uh exactly like you mentioned decides to try to take his family and leave europa however is uh, unsuccessful as him and his son mika is turned into an exo one of the things that we know about mika is he as even a young boy started to experience these dreams dreams of the traveler these are what causes him to write these letters that we find with the um penguins so what he experiences in these dreams is he is rising up from Europa towards the traveler, trying to reach it. He hears a voice in his head saying closer, closer, become closer. And um, but he never actually makes it to the traveler. He, he has the same repetitive dream over and over, does not make it. Um, so he as he begins to um, age, he actually becomes mm, I would call it perhaps an assistant speaker or or he had to be somewhere involved with with the speaker and with the hierarchy of the tower. The reason I say this is he was very known to have, you could say, a following of ghosts, ghosts being the small white creatures that uh, oh, sorry, white um, androids, bots, uh, uh, spawn of the traveler, which travel the galaxy, find their guardians, bring them to light. Uh, allow the guardians to funnel the power from the light from the traveler. Uh, one of the signs of someone becoming a speaker is having dreams about the traveler, having repetitive dreams, and being constantly followed by ghosts. They don't necessarily straight up say Mika is going to be the next um, speaker, but we know that our speaker died in the Red War at the beginning of Destiny 2, and we haven't heard anyone having any dreams or or visions or symptoms of becoming a speaker until now that the traveler is awake has healed itself is becoming more active so it's very likely that we're going to see mika at least in the running to become the next speaker um 
on a personal note, I find it very interesting if the I would I would find it very interesting if the next speaker were an EXO because of this what we discussed this whole episode yeah. where they use clarity darkness is inside the brain of an exo at all times sure we're at a point where you know we can uh try to be ourselves as <clears throat> sorry let me go back we can look past it you know yeah um but it's going to be very interesting to see if the darkness is somehow involved with trying to become the speaker it's it's a long it's a, uh, yeah. yeah. Currently, I have two I theories. Have. Uh, the Mika theory is the one that has been interesting because, uh, again, if you haven't checked out the video, I highly encourage it. There's two videos by Mylan talking about these, uh, this lore book and, and kind of putting together the pieces. The first one's about the lore book. The second one's about where we can find pieces of Mika and other pieces of lore. And again, he's a great creator. I highly encourage you to check it out. But I was also trying to think of who other who else could become the new speaker and you know what would uh make my fanboy heart happy and the only other person i can think of right now is the crow formerly Aldred Sov. the crow has been talking about he has dreams uh and he has seen manifestations of the traveler's light in the forms of uh for people that have gotten hawk moon or have done the harbinger mission as a fire truck comes near me um for people who have done the harbinger mission for people who have uh, gotten the new ship that just came out this past week from time of recording. Like you see that there's somebody else that could potentially be in the running. And so I think that's, what's going to make it most interesting. Can an EXO who is inherently has like a, a small weakness towards the darkness. Are they able to become the next speaker? Because the, our old speaker freely admitted in one of the lore books, he was unable to actually commune with the traveler. And so now we have not one, but two characters who have talked about how they receive frequent dreams from the traveler uh, and are able to see manifestations of light somewhere else. Granted, we can see all these things too. I'm not going to lie to you. We can see it all, but we're not going to become the speaker. Like, let's be real. So... (laughs) No, I don't think no, I don't think the Vanguard us. want to follow exactly what I want to do. They want that. We're not uh, appreciate that. Currently, I am still in uh, the Vanguard's uh, negative side. Like I'm, I'm not seeing in a positive light because I continue to wield the darkness. Uh, you know, so may, they might not want me, but they might want somebody else. You know, and I'm just interested to see again uh, as we as we learn more this year. Um, we're coming up on on the end of the season of the hunt. We're about to go to a new season. We know season 14, we're going to get the Baltic Glass. Um, as we learn more throughout this season, um, I'm excited to see what that means for what we know about the Braves and what we know about um, the darkness itself. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're going to learn more as we continue to progress. We definitely will. One of the, one of the last things that I just wanted to talk about that we'll be, be able to see more is the crow's vision and how the crow was a a an option to become the next speaker one of the differences between the crow's visions and micah's is the crow's visions are actually happening currently in uh-huh. our universe as you said the light actually manifested into the bird which the crow had a dream he was that bird he literally had a dream about everything we do during the Hawkmoon quest. So his visions are really starting to come to fruition. One of his visions that he stated, which has not happened yet is as the bird, he's flying towards the light, the light flickers like a candle. And then there is nothing darkness. So I really think that's a strong prediction of what we can expect to happen within the next year or two, for sure by the invasion of Savathun, when she's ready to rear her head, as we already face some of Savathun's enemies within the Harbinger quest, I believe. Yes, I think so. You know, I think this year we're going to continue to deal with Zipu or Wrath, uh, obviously building up to we've taken care of orcs. We have Zipu or Wrath and then we have Savathun as the last of the, the final bosses. And then I think after that, like we're going to have a year dealing with Savathun. And then we uh, I'm I'm predicting the last iteration of Destiny is going to be facing off against the darkness and, and kind of a true light versus dark kind of story. 
But as I, I can barely think about what we're going to do next season, much less what we're going to do uh, two years from now, which is when that, that last bit of expansion, I think, is going to come out. So, Indeed. Everything they've mapped out that we know of is in some shape Hive related. Yeah. And yet there are other forces existing in our universe who can do anything at any time. The Red Legion and the, the Cabal have been silent for quite some time, but there are some more, more stories popping up in the lore about Kyadal and about the rest of the Cabal Empire. Not to I mention we'll Fallen, not to mention Vex, not to mention the up-and-coming Vale. Who knows what, what we, what's going to happen? <laughs> I'm excited for it, man. I've, I'm, I've signed sure. on. I've, I've spent six years, seven years playing this game. Like I'm, I'm here for it, you know? Yes, so am I. <laughs> With your six and seven years of experience, where do you think people can uh, discover you and have discussions with uh, you about Destiny lore? Discover me? Well, if you guys want to reach out to me, you can find me one of two places. Um, I stream on twitch.tv. Uh, that is uh, twitch.tv slash tweezy. It's spelled X-T-W-E-E-Z-I-I-X. Again, the X's were cool once. Uh, As of right now, because my schedule has changed, because I'm back to physically working uh, inside of an office, uh, my schedule currently is I stream uh, late night uh, or late night for most of you Eastern people, like regular night time for people on the West Coast. So like nine, 10 o'clock at night and I stream uh, Fridays and Saturdays. If you are not able to catch me there, you can catch me on Twitter. It is at Taylor Zeller, Z-E-L-L-E-R. You can find me there. Uh, I will tweet a random assortment of things, everything from complaining about uh, different games to uh, complaining about different TV shows. Like, yeah, it's, it's, well, that's what Twitter's made for us is kind of, you know, just like letting the world know what your complaints are. Uh, but you can reach out to me there and I, I'd love to continue the conversation there and kind of kind of continue to to learn more both about you guys who are listening to us and continue to learn more about the destiny lore. I am not the end all be all. I don't know everything. And so if, if I'm wrong, correct me. Let me know. Let me be a better person. What about you, Craig? How can they how can they get out to you? So I can also be found on Twitch at B-I-R-D triple U-P. That's three U's bird up. I, my streaming schedule will be changing this uh, season as I am currently trying to do my second to last semester at Houston Community College. Congratulations. Let's, Let's see. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. You got this, bird. You got it. <laughs> you can do Besides it. Besides that, you can find me on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'll be doing a mid-afternoon stream around 3 p.m. You'll find me playing Destiny on Tuesdays. You will find me playing whatever Randomville's game on Thursday. Uh, my last one was Maneater. Kind of weird shark game. Very <laughs> good one. Uh, very interesting it's it's fun it's very addicting yeah it's dumb fun but please viewers come come through discuss destiny discuss anything going on tell me what's happening with your life tell me what's happening with your experience in the destiny game uh we all don't have the exact same experiences you may have discovered something that's not mentioned in the episode you may have some insights that we haven't thought of yet i'd be more than happy to hear about them yeah man for sure for sure we're not the end all be all. We're just nerds like you guys. You know, we just we just want to talk about it to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. So, yeah. Please come do it. All right, man. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure working again with you, sir. Same. Likewise. Likewise. I will see you again. Same time. Same place. Two weeks. Sounds with the release good. on Thursday, everyone. Our episodes are Thursday releases. Please stay tuned every other Thursday. We'll see you. All right. Later, y'all. Bye.